2: Authority Radio, with your host, Jess Blue, Chaotic Katie, the Dean of Wrestling Referee Steve Kane, and statistic Sean David, lock and low wrestling fans, it's time for
3: war. everyone, to another loaded
0: edition of War Wrestling Authority Radio, live inside the ER. I am statistics Sean David, along with my co-host.
2: The Dean of Wrestling Referee, Steve Kane.
0: Chaotic Katie and Jess Blue have the night off. Um, and so does Tina Gantz, apparently, now. So, um, we're going to just like matters. We're going to see if we can get some callers. Um, We'd love to hear from you, our audience, at 213-943-3719, and um, we'll be taking callers tonight. So we're going to have a lot of fun. We're going to talk a lot about um, WrestleMania and the news and innuendo regarding that and um, all of that. So,
3: All
2: right. Well, I suppose we should start off with the uh, whole uh, situation with the uh, Smackdown uh, women's title from last night. Uh I uh, we've I've been I've been looking uh and uh it's definitely not a uh, much love by uh, by the fans. And that, um, and I
0: would assume not um I there's there's just so much going on in the world of WWE, that it's not even funny, and now it looks like we're gonna have uh, Charlotte defend the belt both times. <clears throat>
2: mm. Well, because um, here's well, here's the thing, though. Actually, um, the uh, the sitch, because this whole thing actually was one of those last minute things. Um, you know, uh, Vince woke up. On uh, Tuesday morning, and decided, well, you know what? We're gonna have we're gonna have this match tonight, and she's getting the strap. And that, yeah, you know, and there, and there you go, now, Vince, Vince is no longer. I mean, not that for not that for a lot of time Vince was making sense, but Vince is really not making sense anymore. Um, just uh, making, you know, after, after an entire week with uh, creative um, doing all their work and everything, and then suddenly, well, that morning Vince wakes up with a burr up his rear end and uh, suddenly, hey, we're going to do this tonight with no rhyme or no reason.
0: Yes. I mean, uh that's yeah. that's the way it was and that's the way it was about uh Kofi Kingston.
2: Yeah. Oh yeah. And then and then that yeah, yeah, with that sudden with that uh, tag team gauntlet thing. Um <clears throat> that I mean more stupidity. More stupidity. I'm just hoping that uh in October when SmackDown goes to Fox that Fox forces them to actually stick to a script and not change things at the last minute, barring, you know, an injury or something like that. Yes. So. Boy, you're being real chatty here tonight.
0: I'm trying to see if I can get somebody to fill some airtime last minute, real quick. Did, um, well, have
2: you messaged Tina to see what's up?
0: Tina will Did not be on. She's
3: week. at work.
2: Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, because she had said last week that uh, she was going to be on. So, okay. Hey, you know, real life gets in the way of wrestling sometimes, folks. <laughs>
0: yes, it does. So, um, um, let's. uh Let's talk more about well, uh, this uh, Charlotte thing. She is now the SmackDown Women's Champion, and right. um,
2: which throws out the entire four-way that was supposed to take place at WrestleMania. Yes. So, I'm just I I'm just I'm wondering how I'm wondering now. What they're going to do with those four Because it just seems like You know All the time that uh, Got invested in All of them especially uh, uh, Mandy Rose Because they were giving her Quite the push And that and now it's like uh, You know That's all All for naught
0: Yeah I mean it's, it's really a mess and, um, there's, there's just, there's no rhyme or reason for it. uh, you know what it's yeah. becoming, Steve? It's becoming like this. This will, this will be what WrestleMania becomes in a few years if we continue to let, uh, Vince
4: continue to book it.
2: This Saturday night at the Northeast Philly International Gun Armory, Craptastic Wrestling presents a non-star-studded car of unexplainable matches featuring... The Mid-Afternoon Express versus Captain Fantastic and the Brown Dirt Cowboy in a Falls Count Nowhere match. Jerry Idol versus Austin Waller in a fully empty arena match. Our main event, Arnold Ziffel Jr. versus Oliver Wendell Douglas IV in a Fans Bring the Steel Cage Parts match. Admission is just $1, because that's all this crap is worth. That's Craftastic Wrestling. This Saturday. Doors open at six PM. Matches start. whenever we feel like it. Be there! Now
3: think about
2: think about this, Sean. I came up with that fans bring the steel cage parts match idea. <laughs> and then and then what am I what am I reading to everybody last night Fans bring the Lego's death match It's like it's like I'm it's like I'm a prophet or something Yo <laughs> no. All hail all hail Father Steve
0: Yes <laughs> Um, yeah, it's, uh, there's a lot, uh, a lot going on. And if we let Vince McMahon continue to,
2: yeah, to continue to fart around like this. Now, who knows, who knows what's going to happen with this, with this company, with this show? You know, yes. I mean, you think about it, WrestleMania is his baby, okay? Now, I mean, Vince and Linda. Let's, I mean, let's, you know, let's be honest here about everything, okay? Vince and Linda mortgaged everything that they had for the money to put on the very first WrestleMania, and had that had that show failed that would have been it that would have that would have been the end of the WWF at the you know at the time it would have been it would have been gone forever <clears throat> and now here we are 35 years 34 years later and it's almost like he's doing his best to Make that to make that failure Actually happen Yeah
0: um, Okay Steve uh, we're, gonna, we're gonna take a little Song break we've got some people that are gonna Be calling in momentarily um, I'll share them with you when we go to the Green room and folks we will have some surprises When we come back More on Wrestling Authority Radio stay tuned
3: Who knew you'd be hated for being who you are? And be a big target for all the insecure.
2: Thomas Williams, Thomas, thanks for uh, joining us this evening.:
5: Absolutely.
0: Uh, you have got to be probably one of the smartest promoters that I've ever run across, um, <laughs> and and you have you have this angry, grizzled veteran mentality about you now on some of the things that you're posting, which I absolutely love and adore. Um, we actually had the angry wrestling vet on this podcast, uh, about maybe about a year ago. Steve, you remember that?
2: Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, He's a great guy.
0: You know, Thomas, uh, has been promoting war wrestling for what about 20 years now?
5: Uh, we're going on our 17th, 17th year
0: uh well i was mm. i was kind of close. I was in the right ballpark
5: uh well it, no. it, it feels like thirty but <laughs> <laughs> but um, uh, you no, know, we've uh, you know we've ran we've ran about for about seventeen years and in that period of time we've ran about three hundred and fifty three hundred and seventy five shows so
0: wow um mm. that's a lot of events right. um And, you know, you guys have drawn some pretty big crowds in your past, excuse me, and will probably draw some very big crowds again. What I want to get into tonight is a little bit of, um, I guess we're going to call this a little bit of a promoter's roundtable because Steve promoted before he teamed up with me. I've promoted uh, on my own and both with Steve, and you've promoted, and we may have Rudy Boy Gonzalez from the Texas Wrestling Academy joining us here in a little while as well. I know he's probably training tonight. So we'll have a good conversation about the importance of what it takes for a promotion to get off the ground and run properly, because there's a lot of advice that you give on Facebook that you could probably charge to be giving. Um, I, there's a lot of (laughs) high quality guys that follow you like a Bob Evans and, and guys like that. Uh, you're also good friends with Cody Hawk, who has the training school, um, you know, all of that. So you have probably some of the more expertise than, uh, what Steve or I have. I know you were talking today about what kind of wood you use on your ring? And I thought that that was genius, that you would pay a little bit more for a higher quality lumber that you didn't always have to replace.
5: Yeah. You know I mean? But that's the things that we've learned over the years, you know I mean? A lot of the stuff that, you know, I try to pass on now um, is through trial and error and learning from our mistakes. And I think that's the one big thing where um, my mentor is Al Snow, and the one thing he always instilled all on us oh, was his, you know, excellent. It, <laughs> one thing he always well, instilled oh, in I've, us I've, learned, I've, was known, I've known I've known Al for almost him.
2: thirty years. So you're so when so when you mention so when you mention Al, we've had a long history together.
5: Right. I mean, well, see, that's the whole thing is is I, I tell people this, you know, I, I live in his hometown. And you know well, I mean I am an extension of him, and if I don't do things the right way, even after twenty two years of being involved in wrestling, um it has a reflection on him, you know, and I still you know to this day, you know I will lean on him if I have a question and I still consider him my mentor you know and and uh, that sort of thing, but going back to the wood thing, you know, a lot of a lot of promoters or promotions or whatever you know they they want to cut corners to try to you know to save you know, they want to cut corners to try to save money but in the end it actually costs them a lot more money you know so my exactly. thing on it is is just just you know just pay a little bit of extra money for certain things um, you know uh, like I I posted a thing on Facebook about um, I, I get a lot of videos sent to me probably. 20, 25 videos a week of people going, hey, look at this match. You know, I'm interested in working for you. And out of those 20, 25 videos, 18 to 20 of them have saggy uh, ring aprons. And, uh, you know, I'm cussing it going, you know, what, why, you know, I and, mean, you know, what? Why are, they, why are they sagging, you know? And it's not just, you know, it's not, it's universal. It's, you know, you a place in California and a place in, you know, uh, Maine and a place in Florida, it's not like it's just, you know, like, here in Ohio, you know, right? Um, so, I, so I posted, I posted what we mm-hmm. utilize as um, to get our ring aprons tight. And to me, it's just trial and error, something that we've learned or whatever. Yes, it's a little bit more grunt work because you actually physically have to get up underneath the ring um, and attach the uh, the two. We use what they what I call it as a dog lead. It's like you know, the, where you put the stake in the ground and you got a 25 foot uh, wire rope or whatever with a hook on the end. That's what we mm-hmm. use, and all we do is we, we wrap that through the ring apron and, you know, attach it to both sides or whatever to the uh, ratchet strap that we use, and we tighten it down. And, you know, they don't move. They don't sag. They don't, you know, they're all, they're on there, you know um and, and yeah it might cost a little bit more money instead of you know just using a regular rope and tying it off around the ring post and sacks like halfway through the thing yeah you're going to spend a little bit money more money on the dog leaf but i think i can get them here at the pet store for like 10 bucks a piece you know um and pretty much anybody that runs shows has probably got a racket strap <laughs> so you know mm-hmm. but that's just little things you know that make it makes you it makes your, your product look good you know um you know, uh, I I always invest back in our promotion. Um, you know, I always try to improve the product, improve the look, because most casual wrestling fans um, only watch what they see on TV. So if your right, product right. doesn't even remotely look like that, your ring doesn't look like that, you're automatically being judged. You know, I tell people at the time, the first two things that the fans when they go to your show they're judging. The first person they see is the ring announcer. So if he doesn't look professional, he doesn't sound professional, then you're being judged. The next thing is is that ring is basically sitting there between, you know, 45 minutes to an hour and a half prior to the show, and those fans are looking at that ring. And if it's, you it know, doesn't look like what they see on TV, you're being judged. You know, if it's got more duct tape on it than canvas, you know, the fans are going, eh, you know, here we go again. You right, know? And right. Especially, mm-hmm. for, especially for a first-time fan. You know, they're automatically going to judge it. Um, so that's the big thing with me. You know, I, I uh, you know a lot of the things that I try to pass on is definitely just trial and error. And I just did a podcast the other week, and that's kind of what I explained to them was, is, you know, um, I've made a lot of mistakes over the years, and it's cost me a whole lot of money. And now, you know, um, I want to try to help these guys, you know, because if there's – Ten promotions that are solid, say, in the state of Ohio. If there's ten promotions that are solid where everybody's getting work, everyone's getting paid, everyone's drawing the crowd, that's ten places that the guys want to wrestle there. You know what I mean? Instead of worrying about not getting paid or, you know, no fans or, you know, whatever the case may be, um, you know, uh, I get a lot of heat put on me because I am very, very vocal, um, you know, about the business. Um, and I think a lot of the times I get judged because I'm not a quote unquote wrestler anymore. And I'm just a promoter, owner, and a booker. And right. And I mm-hmm. think that's actually I think that's actually an advantage for me because I'm not worried about holding the title or you know any of the other you know stereotypical things that you find in wrestling Bingo. nowadays. Um, but yeah, you know, like, you know, like I said, I'm just I'm old school in my mentality. Um, you know, I still treat it like a business. And uh, my mentality is like that, you know, uh, we just had a show uh, on Saturday night in Huntington, Indiana, and we only drew about 150 And if the bills got paid, this, that, and the other, but, you know, I'm in the back of my mind, I'm going, well, what could we have done different? Could we have did more posters? Could we have did more flyers? Could we have, you know, did this, this, and this? And, and I'm always trying to evolve, and I'm always trying to make the product better. You know, Uh um, you know, just like just like where we're at, like the little town that we run in. You know, um, our main shows, the smallest crowd we've ever wrestled in front of on our main shows is 300 people, and that's in 16 years of promoting shows. Um, So you know, that's the big thing with me. I told, like I did this other podcast uh, the other week. Unlike most wrestling promotions, when they start, they have 50 fans, 75 fans, 100 fans. The very first show we ever promoted. Um, in 2003, we started with 541 fans. Can't so that. Those expect- yeah, and those expectations are, you know, we don't want to go below that. You know what I mean? We don't want anything less than that because that's what we started with. Right. Um, and I put a lot of pressure on myself. I put a lot of pressure on my staff, um, you know, to to deliver. And, you know, um, you know, even like a small thing, you know, I go to a lot of these shows, or hear other guys going to shows and like, they don't even have water in the locker room for the guys and you know, little things like that. And I'm like, well, you know, if that promoter can't afford three, $4 for a case of water, how do you expect you're going to get paid 150 bucks?
4: <laughs> right.
0: <laughs> well, and that's just so, it. And we have somebody now that can speak about this. He's been around a long, long, long time. I'm not calling him old or anything, but ladies and gentlemen, our good friend Rudy Boy Gonzalez.
6: How you doing guys?
2: good hey, Rudy, good. What's,
6: what's up you? brother uh, i just got uh, a <laughs> I just got through, uh y'all. i I'm not exactly sure what y'all guys are talking about sound like you're talking about shows and attendance and stuff like that uh right. so yeah so i i uh just got through passing out flyers and stuff like that for a show we're doing in in levelland texas and uh so I happened to drive through Lubbock and Lo and behold, it's Wednesday night. That's all you can eat wings, and so I stopped to grab some wings, and then I get a call. Hey, I need you. So, ah, <laughs> uh, it's, yeah, it's very rare well. enough, know, it's on a Wednesday night. So, I was like, all right, here mm-hmm. it is, and then, and then I got called. So, that's right, cool. <laughs> Um,
0: Rudy, we were talking about different things with uh this is Thomas Williams also with us from War Wrestling out of Ohio, and he was talking about on Facebook about the importance of doing different things with your ring, like having a higher quality wood that doesn't break all the time and using a dog lead uh to tie down your um ring skirts and all of that.
5: I think I talked to him.
6: I think I talked to him last week about that.
5: <laughs> yeah he sure did. yeah yeah
6: and and he came and I mean he came up with some ideas that uh, I never thought of i mean uh I've been helping with rings and stuff since nineteen eighty two and and it's always been the same way you know uh tied down a certain way and and um what have you I have seen guys use bungee cords, and I don't, I don't I've never used bungee cords, but yeah, he was talking about you know how to tie down a skirt better so that they don't. Uh, fall, you know, you know, slide down or whatever, and or sag, which looks nasty. In, in my opinion, it looks it looks nasty uh, in the middle of the show. Half the skirt is is hanging down, and you see you can see the edge of the of the ring apron and stuff, the boards and padding and all stuff. I'm I'm not into that stuff. So.
0: Right. Well, and that's just it. I yeah. mean, you you've got to have. We rent a ring here and I can't always promise that the guy's ring that I ran is the best quality.
5: But when it gets right.
0: there, when it gets up, Steve Kane and I do an inspection of that ring. I go grab the, the, uh, usually the container of Clorox wipes. I'm wiping down the canvas. I'm wiping down the ring skirts. Cause, uh, like the guy's ring we're using in, uh, June for our next show, he's got vinyl canvas and vinyl ring skirts.
4: So if well, I'm going to,
0: if I'm going to, and it's nice because the ring skirts are built into the canvas, but I'm still right. gonna wipe all that shit down because you don't want somebody getting an infection. You gotta wipe down the ropes. You gotta wipe down the turnbuckle pads. You gotta wipe everything down.
6: Vinyl, vinyl holds the germs. It doesn't? They don't soak through or anything. It's it's there. So I mean, you have to, you have to mop it up or, or wipe it. You know, somehow wipe the, the, the canvas. I mean, you know, the whatever. You know, if someone has an infection or. or of some type, it, uh, it stays on the canvas. It doesn't go anywhere because it's vinyl. There's no uh, there's no pores for it to soak through. You know. Right. And mm-hmm. that's, Right.
0: And, and you know, it's the same thing with a lot of the turnbuckle pads. Now I've seen cloth and vinyl turnbuckle pads. The vinyl ones, like like Rudy said, they're gonna hold hold on to the germs and the bacteria. The cloth right. ones are also going to do the same, and I think we've all seen one of those rings where they pull out the canvas, and the canvas is so bloody, you're like, take it back to where you put it.
5: <laughs> Actually, when you say that, because I just uh, back it. in
6: the day, that was, I mean, you know, once every once a month, we would take the, the canvas. This was down, in – this is when you know we were running Southwest Wrestling. Once a month, we take the canvas to hard car wash to, to wash off the, the blood, the sheep herders, <clears throat> Manny Fernandez, those guys. But Oh, God,
3: uh,
6: yes. Yeah, but back in the day, man, that uh, canvas was just soaked with that stuff, you know, and we didn't think nothing of it. Now we know that, you know, there's bacteria and and HIV and hepatitis C and all the other, you know, junk, you know, that can get caught up in the canvas right. and get transmitted, you know, bodily fluids and all that. So you'd have to be an idiot to not maintain your your
5: equipment, you know? Well and it's right. yeah, it's like the, go ahead, <laughs> Thomas. I've taken ours to, I was gonna say, i taken ours to the car wash uh, numerous times and actually I actually have a, a local tent company here in where where we're from and they actually have uh they rent tents and all that and they've done some work for me in the past. They actually have an industrial size washer that they actually put our canvas in, and we wa- and we wash it about every other show or whatever, especially if there's a little bit of blood on the show and that sort of thing.
4: Um, right. Costs me about a
5: hundred bucks. cost me about a hundred bucks, bucks every time I get it done, but. You know, I want the peace of mind that it's going to look nice, it's going to look professional ain't anything on there that could possibly any other guys could get.
0: (laughs) Well, and that's just it. You know, we've been doing this podcast for the past six years, and we've been talking about the importance of ring safety. And, look, we get some promoters here in Illinois that want to leave the metal frame set up outside all year round. With the rain and the snow and the wind and everything else and the heat,
4: yeah. that can't be
3: good
0: for weld. I'm no welder myself, yeah. but I know that that can't be good for, weld. Be
6: good for weld. Well, back back to the uh, back to the old days. Uh, the ring that we used was on a trailer, and uh, the trailer was out in the parking lot overnight, and all we did was hook it up to the truck. Take it to the next town, set it up, do the show, tear it down, and we didn't cover anything. We didn't use anything for a cover, you know. And uh, but again, knowing what we know now, you know, and then also, you know, honestly, Joe Blanchard used to get like, uh, like the lumber was treated wood, and uh, mm. I did, you know, and it, 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 uh, there was a, there was a, uh, I was always told to get treated wood. And I was never told why. Uh, So one day after Joe had sold his company to uh, Fred Barron, Fred decided to replace all the boards on the ring. So he sent me and another guy named Fred to go get wood. So Fred was trying to score points and work his way up the company and stuff. And so we go to the lumber place, and the guy the guys said, what do you want? And I said, we need, you know, 18 pieces of 18 by 18, I mean, uh, 2 by 12, 18 feet long boards
5: treated. Mm-hmm.
6: And and the guy said, okay, that'll be $32 or whatever it was, $34, $35, whatever. And then uh, the other guy, Fred, looked at the motherboards and said, these are only $18. These are only $12. So whatever, it was $16. And the guy said, yeah, but that's not treated. And Fred was like, that's okay it's cheaper let's take that instead so we (laughs) took it and one it wasn't it wasn't treated but it was also like the cheap yellow pine or some shit like that and so the Mm. first time we used it and the first match boards just started breaking left and right so so Fred Barron the promoter comes running out there
3: what the hell
6: happened what the hell and I just pointed my finger at Fred he's the one who bought it he bought it I mean I mean
3: (laughs) Right. Right.
5: Right. I think they. I was always told they they used the lumber for what you guys were ta- or the the treated for what you guys were talking about was is that that way they could leave it out in the elements or whatever and it wouldn't rot and yeah. that unlike tra- traditional dimensional lumber, um, I was always told yeah, that too. I mean, I've was. never been treated. around. Was, yeah, I was gonna say I've was, never was, been around yeah, personally me using any of the treated, but I've heard that story before that. You know, they, that way they can leave them out. Like I say, they was doing like a fair and a festival. They can leave it out or whatever the frame and the wood and all that. And if it rained, it was no big deal because it was treated. Right.
6: And, I mean, and, uh, yeah. I mean, the, 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 the moisture, the wood doesn't soak in the moisture because of, of, I'm not, a, I, don't, I don't know how they do that stuff, but I, they, I don't know. I, something they do something with the wood where they, they, uh, it with something i don't know but uh it, it it's uh you're not it's not supposed to warp it's not supposed <clears throat> to that's supposed to harden the wood um, yeah and so i was i always i mean even now uh i always get treated boards and they are, it is a little bit more expensive but uh i would much rather have that than you know and have the right have the right type of wood than some cheap whatever and, and the boards are warping and
2: Cracking and shit like that. Yeah, well, that's one of the things too. That uh, um, what uh, the first the first rings that uh, I was uh, involved with uh, when I was uh, making my way up in the business, paying my dues, uh, doing ring crew and stuff like that. Um, they they had the um, instead of boards, actually had section that were like uh, nine by three so oh, wow. when I, so when my so when my partner which was the same stuff that uh, the way Fern Ganya had his rings done and that right um, so um, so when so when uh, the my partner got himself a uh, ring with the, this promotion that I was uh, running at the time I said hey, this is what this is what we need to do I said let's you know we're gonna we're going to go with um, doing uh, nine by three sheets and we even actually he, he even actually got two pieces and glued them together so it was twice as thick and the wood on that ring never warped never broke and we had some we had some big guys in there. I mean King Kong Bundy, God rest his soul, was uh one of our regular people and you know, never had never had a problem with him being in the ring with with uh with wood like that. Right.
6: Wow. I've never I've never heard of that. I've seen two by twelve, I've seen two by eights, uh I've seen plywood. I would never suggest you to plywood for a ring. Um, mm. I've seen actually one guy, he used like a hundred two by fours. <laughs> uh, I saw a ring that was made of PVC pipe. <laughs> oh, geez. wow. I, yeah. I mean, it didn't last. It, as soon as he tried tightening everything up, everything just
3: broke. <laughs>
6: mm. But I mean, you know, uh, you know the most important part of your equipment is the ring. I mean, if the ring is not, you know, when I when I first got my ring, the one I have now, I'm not exactly sure what was going on, but our ropes were never were never getting tight. Uh, hmm. There were a couple there were a couple of times where the ropes just just came loose, and which was, you know, embarrassing to me because. You know, I'm supposed to know all this stuff, whatever. And
1: uh, it
6: happened a couple of times at Lucha Underground, you know, at Lucha Underground when I was working with them. Uh, and, you know, Marty and Vampiro was like, what's up, bro? And I'm like, fuck, I don't know. It happened one time at an Evolve show, and Gabe Sapolsky was, like, going nuts. And, uh, I, you know, and Gabe and pulled me to the side, like, because it happened twice in the show. And as a matter of fact, it happened one time when Pete Lee and uh, Chris Hero were doing a match. And Chris Zero just started taking shit apart and throwing the ropes all over the place and out a frustration. And I completely understood. Uh so I was mm-hmm. there like, What the fuck? You know, what, what's he doing? What's wrong with that guy? And then Gabe came up and he's like, What's going on? I'm like, I have no idea, man. I you know, and so what I did was uh I re- I got another ring from the guy, you know, paid him for that and then Monday I put my ring up and man I, I couldn't figure it out, the ropes the ropes kept getting loose and what have you. So the only thing I could, I could figure was the, the clamps I was using. Maybe that, you know, let's try that. So I went and bought a whole new set of clamps, and uh, I never had a problem with the ring since. I, you know, yeah. I, I, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know what the difference the, the uh, clamps made, but uh, you know, I, you know, your ring is. I mean, you, the guys have to be able. And I and I felt bad too during this time because, you know, guys were working and they were looking at me, you know, with a you know from the corner of their eye like, "Am I gonna die tonight or am I gonna you know?" And I'm like, "Don't worry, guys, it's okay." Meanwhile, I'm thinking, "I hope it's okay." But I, I also had like mm-hmm. two guys, I, the nightmare pain guys. They were both well over 400 pounds, and uh, well, one guy was one guy was like 350, and so they were bouncing off the road and stuff. And and that was a funny thing. Also was. I was doing these shows, my own shows. And I never had a problem with the ropes, but when Chris Hero and Keith Lee gets in the ring, man, they were you know. And then, uh, you know, the Lucha Underground guys got in the ring, Phoenix, and those guys, and it was like, what the heck is going on here? So, you know, it, to me, your ring is mm. your ring is is the most important part of your, of, you know, of your show. I mean, it's the centerpiece of 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 everything going on. It's the it's it's our stage. Right, right. The guys have to be able to get in that ring with confidence and do whatever it is that they do, whether, they, whether they're whether they flip-flop guys or they're just, you know, kicking punching guys. I don't care what their style is. They have to be able to get in the ring and not worry about, are the ropes going to be loose? Is a pole going to bend? Or the boards going to break? You know, that type of stuff. And that's solely, completely on the promoter. Right.
0: Mhm. Right. Well, and and that's just it. You know, um there are some people that prefer the non-cable ropes. Uh we we used them at our last show. We rented a ring that had non-cable ropes, and I personally didn't care for them. I was like, I I don't I don't get the obsession with it. I I, me I would much rather I would much rather have that steel cable inside the rope that I know is going to be able to hold me up if uh one of those ropes snaps. Right, but I've heard other arguments, and I want to hear Thomas's argument because he was saying he was having problems with his cable ropes.
5: Yeah, well, the biggest thing for me is is um what I posted earlier today on social media was that we had chains for underneath the ring. And then we switched over to cable, which when we bought a new ring and it was uh, monsters uh, cable, uh, monsters rings and cages or whatever. And I'm just not happy with the underneath cables or whatever, so I'm, I'm actually switching back to um, chain. Um, I think the one big thing that we do a little bit different than a lot of promoters is we actually use what they use like a, um, a ratchet uh, load binder, like with what truckers use when they tie down their load. Um, we right. use that for underneath. we we use that for underneath instead of like a cable or instead of like a turnbuckle. Um, And we've never had an issue with the the underneath stuff or whatever until we switched over to the cable from chain. The one thing that I will say that I do a little bit different than a lot of other um, promoters as far as the ring ropes um, we use three quarter inch turnbuckles. Um, we don't use half. I think they strip out a lot more and there's a lot, you know, there's a lot of things that can go wrong, um, with it. So we use a thicker, we use a thicker, we use like three quarters of an inch, um, turnbuckles, um, for our ring ropes. Um, but I will say, um, as far as actual rope compared to cable, cable is just easier to maintain, um, overall. You know, if it stretches out, you decide to do the clamps, retighten it or whatever, you're good. Um, right. I've seen an argument today about the WWE, you know, you know, people referring to WWE ring ropes, but here's the reality of that. They can switch those ring ropes in and out because they have the financial need. You know, not many right. people on the independent team mm-hmm. can replace the ropes every four, fourth or fifth show.
3: <laughs> you right. know, I mean, yeah. so that's a
5: that's a big thing. You know, that's a big thing for me. Um, you know, I, I, I want to make sure that the ring, like, you know, Rudy was saying, Um, you know, I want to make sure that that ring looks the part and no one can question, you know, that why the ring is wavy because it's got carpet padding or, you know, whatever else, you know, the the things that Um, you I'm I'm um,
0: going to tell you something, Thomas, that will probably make you very upset. There was a promoter here in Illinois that I shit you not used bubble wrap for padding on his ring. (laughs) I'm not
3: kidding. I wish I were.
0: I wish I were. I really wish I were, but um, yes,
5: (laughs) I'm not surprised in a way. Um, you know, just because everyone's trying to nickel and dime themselves and you know try to get the most out of it. You know, the funny thing about it is, is uh, we bought our ring about two years ago, and I bought guardrails in the ring. We spent about seven grand on it. And we've we've ran about 30 shows on it, and the padding is starting to show wear and tear. And that's still good, you know. There ain't nothing wrong with it. But I actually just went out and bought all brand new padding or whatever because, you know, I just think like you have to keep up on the maintenance. You have to, you know, you have to do those kind yeah. of things. You know, I've actually seen guys, um, like with carpet padding, the ring, you know, the canvas not being tightened or whatever. I actually seen a uh, show. That's well, been a few years ago when the guy rolled his ankle and broke his ankle because it was on carpet padding in the ring and the canvas wasn't tight, you know. Wow. And so, yeah, you know. So I mean, I, I, that's the big thing for me is is you know, and I agree with what he said. You know, um, before he came in on the conversation was is, you know, that's our stage. You know, that's where that's the blank canvas for us to paint the picture, to get these fans involved and to have them keep coming back. You know, and. You know, if the ring looks like crap, I can tell you right now, if the ring looks like crap and, and, the, and the guys think it's unsafe, they're not going to go out there and give 110%. Nope.
2: Right. Because
5: right. they're not going to risk being hurt. You know, most of these guys, they have nine-to-five jobs. You know, keep it real. You know, most of these guys, 99% of these guys, they don't make a living doing professional wrestling or whatever, you know. Um, so, you know, they're not going to go out there and risk breaking their legs or whatever because the ring is unsafe. Um, you know, and to me it's a it's a double edged sword because then the fans feel like they're not getting their money's worth because these guys ain't actually going out there and doing, you know, what they see on you know, Monday night wrestling. Right.
0: And yeah. I I'm 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 a stickler, I've been setting up ring since two thousand two. If that ring if I get in that ring and I don't wrestle anymore, but if I get in that ring and go to run those ropes and I think they're even the slightest bit loose, I have my guys tighten them. And if, they, if there's something that goes wrong with it while I'm setting it up, then whoever brought it to me and I have an issue. You need to go to the hardware store. You need to fix whatever this is to make it safe for tonight. Then you need to take it home and fix it again and make and come up with a more permanent fix. Uh, thank God that's not happened a lot of the times that I've rented a ring because that would just be horrible. Uh, rings are expensive people don't under fans don't understand how much that ring actually costs how much is actually involved with it how much steel how much lumber you know the canvas alone is a couple hundred dollars 3 400 dollars um a ring, is, a, hundred.
6: a ring a ring is an investment simple as that it's it an investment
0: it is um uh-huh. uh, you know and the nice thing about that is in in time it'll pay for itself um I, um, you know, I I have said before that rings don't come cheap for the simple fact that if they did, we'd have every Tom Dick and Harry running. And we already have every Tom Dick and Harry running because everybody wants to rent their ring out and not do do research on who they're renting it out to. So they get there, and it's so-and-so's backyard wrestling.
5: Right. Well, I can give you a good example on the presentation of a ring that kind of um, last year or whatever, there's a group um, called Legends of Wrestling ran a show in Detroit, and uh, the guy that they normally rent the ring from couldn't to do it, so he, they reached out to me to do the ring, and we brought the ring up there, and uh, the looked was good, Everything looked nice and tight and you know, professional or whatever, and we got the booking again this year just for the reason of that it looked good the guys were willing to go out there and wrestle and, you know, bust their butts and do all that or whatever, you know, and these shows got Rick St. boat on it and Rick Flair on it and Billy gun on it. I mean, it's, you know, it's loaded with names and, right. you know, to me that's his volume because, you know, I mean, I, I felt like, you know, like we were all talking about, you know, that if that ring looked like crap, they probably would never, ever give me another chance to do it. Um, right. you know, and like I said, to me, to me, you know, they wanted a nice-looking ring. I wanted to give them a nice-looking ring. Um, and you are right. It's definitely an investment. You know, like I said, uh, two, about about two years ago, like I said, I spent $7,000 on a brand-new ring and guardrails. So, you know, I mean, it's not it's not cheap or whatever. And even the maintenance, you know, on it, like we were talking about, you know. I mean, a, a, board, a board is, you know, 30 bucks. You know, it's time twenty boards. If there's six hundred dollars worth you wood right there.
2: Yeah, exactly, right. exactly.
6: Usually, usually when you get one board, expect to start buying the rest of them because they may have, they they may not all start breaking or cracking at the same time, but you're buying them at the same time. They're all they all basically at the same age. So one, and then another, and then another, and then another, and then another. Well, and I think I think another thing that promoters should be smart enough to do
0: is to date the boards. Know when you bought them. If that board is getting to be a year old, replace it. And I'm not saying boards can't last more than a year. They can, but it depends on how often you're running. I know a guy uh, here out of Indiana that uh, has like three or four rings and is renting rings every weekend. You know, three, to three rings a weekend. I don't even want to see what his upkeep bill is, because you've got some, I mean, you've, you're using them every weekend. I think, you you know, see, doesn't Harry usually have one show every week, 52 weeks out of the year, except for Christmas? Yeah, just about. I mean, you know, that when you're renting rings like that, you've got to have upkeep. And there's a reason but. he's been renting rings so long, because his rings look nice. He has a crew that comes there and sets it up. I mean, you know, there there are some people out here with some really dangerous rings, and I've seen them, and I've been in them. Um, you know, oh, yeah. I've worked uh, in some yeah. rings that I, I thought to myself, oh, my God, I, I don't know how we're putting anybody in this. I worked a show in 2008 with a wooden frame ring, and halfway through the show One side of the fl- frame completely split And I'm sitting here going We, we, we have Bob work in our main event And we just had one whole side of the frame split How are we going to fix it? The promoter's bright idea Was to put a center block over, under it And hold the damn thing up with the center block That That's... Wow. I mean, you talk about danger. it just it blew my mind. I, I right. and who pays for a wooden frame ring? Those got retired years and years and years and years
6: ago. <laughs>
3: uh,
6: I think w, I think NWA had one because I set it up either it the NWA or WCW. One of them had a ring. One of them had a wooden ring, and I had to set it up a few times here and there with, uh, Claudine Bill. And, uh, I remember going back to that first show and uh, splinters all over my head, man. I mean, little bitty splinters. I was like, shit, you know, half the night I am pulling them oh out. My God. You know? <laughs> I think, oh uh, my God.
5: going back to what he was saying, I think, I think it was WCW that had the wood, the wood rings because I think they used, uh, what they called like a four by six treated and they had it at the top and then the bottom. And then they had braces that went all the way across or whatever. Um, Cause I, I think HWA uh, heartland wrestling, which was Les factor. That's the ring that they had, whatever, when they had a developmental deal and it was like a four by six treated uh, top and bottom or whatever. And that's what they used or whatever. So I'm almost positive it was WCW that still used wooden rings, you know, not so long ago. So.
0: Wow. Uh, that's that's uh, you know that's scary, I, think, I think I
2: re- I think I remember that. I think I remember seeing uh, one of the one of the uh, framings on uh, Nitro one time, and it and I looked and I go, wait a second, that's all wood. I yeah, thought, oh my
0: God, they're nuts. Well, and uh, you know, Steve Steve was in a ring that fell apart on him.
2: Well, I've been in a couple of them that have had that happen. And one, and one of them and one of them was uh was the night with Jazz. And we're in a major mess. and the ring is snaggy and Jazz, Jazz looks to me and Jazz looks at the girl that uh she's working and she says, We're gonna die in here. Huh. That's never a good thing for wrestlers to the
0: referee or each
6: other, right? No. I, I will say I, that I will say I got my ring from Chad up in uh, Kansas. Monster rings and cages, cages, and, and and uh, I'm happy with my ring. Like I said, the only problem I had with it was that clamps were the clamp issues, and then like uh, like some of us talking about earlier about the chains at the bottom. I that's how I've always used them. So when I got the ring, uh, it had he sent them with cables to go across. And I thought I thought that was the reason why my ropes were never loose, were never tight because the the cables on the bottom were stretching too much. So I replaced them with chain because that's what I've always used. And what ended up happening was one of the ring posts I mean when when the guy took the ropes there has to be some kind of play, not a whole lot, but there has to be some kind of play with the ring posts going in and out. Not a whole lot, but just a little so that they don't, you know, there's not too much tension and they don't, they don't bend. And so right. when you use, when, when I was using the chain, there was no there was no play. So one of the ring posts started bending uh, from, the, you know, from the upper part. The, the bottom part was straight up into the floor of the ring, and then it started bending at that point with the ropes. Um so I asked Ch- I asked Chad what, you know, why why you know why why was that happening? He said because he used to change. So, uh, just for my own, you know, any any replaced the ring post, he replaced all four of them. No problem, no, you know, well it's your fault, Rudy, nothing like that. I mean, he did a great job. Uh Yeah, I and, talked and to I, him
0: was, a couple times and he's actually got the kind of ring that I want. Um he makes he does a what's good job. He makes what's called, and he's the only company out there that I know that does it, he makes a height-adjustable ring where on one side of the post, it's low boy. On the other side of the post, it's high boy. And I thought that was one of the most genius ideas that anybody could ever come up with because you sometimes will get these people that want to buy shows that don't have a high-ceiling venue. And, you know, if if they're coming to you and saying, we're going to give you two grand for a show. You don't want to be out that two grand because you don't have the right style ring. Right. And, and, you know, and I, I know there's some other companies that I've worked for in the past that have had smaller rings to be able to run like bars and stuff. And I thought that that was a genius idea. Like uh, one of the promotions I worked for had a 14 by 14. And uh, oh, wow.
3: it
0: was now, granted, at first it looks cheesy. But if you get over that fact and you realize, hey, they're making money. They're selling this bar out where we have standing room only in a bar, then you realize that, hey, they're making money. I'm making money. I really have no right to fit. Um I've also been in I, the smallest ring I have ever seen in a. Uh, I, and I think somebody told me it was Buck who ring was an 8x8 and I was like, how in the world can anybody work in an 8x8? You do a headlock, and, a headlock and set him off the ropes and he's at the other side of the ring while you're still on the ropes.
6: Right. <laughs> <laughs> there was a guy in Dallas selling a ring that was 8 by 8 I believe. Wow. Uh, it, might have been 10, it might have been a 10 by 10 ring. But he, I mean, he uses it mainly for midgets, though.
0: Right, uh, and uh, you can get away with right. that on the midget shows. If you've got yeah. two <laughs> seven foot guys in an eight foot ring, it's gonna look really, really bad.
3: <laughs>
6: <laughs>
3: uh, but
6: the, the, only, the only problem I had with that was he told me, "Goes you can use it for midget shows." The only problem I had with the only problem I had with that was the whole point in in booking midget shows or having midgets is because they're small. They're smaller guys, and it doesn't help them when you build a ring small like them because then they don't look so small, right? So I've always, I've always, you know, and this is just years. I'm, I'm an old school guy. This is just from years and years of, of seeing how things were done. I, you know, I believe if you have a midget match or midgets, whatever. I mean, or show or whatever, you just put them in a regular size ring, and that enhances their uh, midget. Midgetry, there. That's the yes. word.
0: You know? <laughs> well, it is now. You know? Midgetry. That's the word for the night. Midgetry. There we go.
4: Um, you midgetry. Know? <laughs> um,
0: you know, and I wanted to talk about you guys, uh, the, the importance of the ring and, and all of that. Uh, we've had Les Thatcher on, and Les you know, lived and bled the importance of having a good, safe ring, not only for guys to train in, but for guys to work in. And look, you know, we can't control what happens in other countries. We've heard stories of people working down in Mexico on cement ring, you know,
6: where the padding the was caught up. Boxing rings. I've been yep. there. Yep. Before, I mean, before the – oh. I, I don't know how they're made now I've been down there in years, but in the early 90s when I was going down there, it wasn't uncommon to see the – the guy, you know, the keeper or whatever it was, with a metal rake, uh, raking the sawdust or whatever it was on the ring, and uh, evening it out, whatever, and then putting the vinyl canvas on top, uh, because that's what that's what the padding was 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 uh, like wood shavings or sawdust or it wasn't it wasn't padding. Uh, and, the, <laughs> and the ring, some of the rings, like the one in Monterey, I believe the ring posts were actually buried into the ground. So that ring wasn't going anywhere. Wow. Uh, and, and they, and oh they were actually God. boxing rings. They were actually boxing rings. They weren't wrestling rings. So, like, the first time I went down there, like, well, I, when I broke in, I was always taught, you know, how to take great bumps, enhance your matches by taking great bumps, uh, you know, attack the mat, that type of stuff. And so when, that, when I went down to Mexico, a guy gave me a hip toss, and I came off the ropes. And you know, I, I knew the, the ring wasn't bouncing too much, but I figured if I jump high enough and I take this great bump, that ring will bounce. And I was wrong.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
6: <laughs> that, that ring did not yeah. move. And my my ribs, my gallbladder, my liver, my kidneys, my inside, was like, <laughs> Yeah. I was like, oh, oh my god.
0: Uh, I, remember, the I remember. Guy, not- I remember the first bump that I ever took That uh, has to cut you off Rudy uh, I remember the first bump I ever took The ring For some odd reason They were using plywood boards And they had a piece of sheet metal Holding all the plywood boards in place So I, I thought I was big and macho I, I got in the middle of the ring And forgot that metal plate was there. And I reared back And I go and do my first bump And I smoke my head and, oh, my God, I thought I was going to die.
1: <laughs> the reason
6: I hate the most are the ones where I don't know why guys think that if they put a, a spring in the middle of the ring, it's going to help. It doesn't help. More resistance. And, uh, uh,
0: Steve and I can talk about a ring like that. Uh, it, they bought the wrong style ring. They bought, they bought one of the rings where it only had the one middle beam to take all the shock absorption of the entire ring. And they had some heavy guys in the ring, and when that metal bar bent, their grand idea was to get a spring. Well, they threw that spring under that ring, and it had no give to it at, at whatsoever anymore. Yeah. Steve, will tell you, he Your, hated something in that ring.
6: Oh, Lord. the only way you gonna make that, that the big. Worst. The only way you're gonna make a spring that big, springy, is by some guy. You know, a thousand pounds bumping around. In there. It, 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 there, there, it's, it's more resistance. It's more uh, stiffness than anything else.
0: Mm-hmm. I, I never understood, you know, why they said, oh, all the rings have a giant spring underneath them. No, no, they don't. I <laughs> uh, uh,
6: never had a, a spring under the ring.
0: You know, I, I, I never I never understood that concept Of we're going to put this giant spring That's going to take, like Rudy said Thousands of pounds of pressure To even move How that's going to do any good You know And 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 fans uh, Not even just fans that are listening to this But people stop thinking that that ring Is a big fluffy mattress Because it's not
2: No and it's not a trampoline either. No, <laughs> which, is another, which is another one that uh, that you hear from the you know people that don't know anything.
0: Yeah, and that the and that the ropes are bungee cords. You could just. Run off against those at a, at 100 miles an hour and not do any damage to yourself. Let me tell you something. The first time I ran the ropes, I came home with twelves on my back. Cause the, the, my trainer was like, run them. Now run them harder. Now run them harder. Hit them harder. Hit them harder. Hit them harder. And it taught me how to run the ropes, but it also taught me that those ropes were not something to be joked about. Right. You know, and now now you don't even get guys to use the ropes in the ways that somebody like Rudy Gonzalez would use them back in the 80s or 90s. They just, yep. you know, they, they, don't, they don't understand you can work off the ropes and, and less and more and you can tell that story rather than going out there and doing 20 million flippy, floppy, high-risk maneuvers that... Are all flashed in a pan But
6: no when sense. you're
0: doing 20 million of them in one match It doesn't make any sense
3: Right
0: right. I mean hey, I like I like the original cruiserweight decision When they were going to the ropes rarely And it actually meant something Now now everybody's going to the ropes And it's like no You know I, I, I was at a show a couple of weeks ago Where a guy that was like 350 pounds went on the ropes I was like what are you doing you don't belong in the uh,
2: <laughs> You know? Yeah. Well, Go ahead. Well, if we're going to talk, if, like I said, if we're going to talk first, uh, first, running the rope stories, the first time when I was with Windy City, the first time that I ran the ropes, the next day. My my side and my hip looked like, and I'm gonna be a little indelicate here, but I looked like a uh, prostitute who hadn't given her pimp his, uh, his share his share of the pay, and got <laughs> baseball bat taken to him. But I'll tell you what, I showed that I showed that at my job, and uh, nobody ever doubted me that this stuff was real ever again after that. They looked at that like, oh my God.
6: <laughs> there was a there was a guy in, in Sean's school that ran the ropes and uh we did a drill for you know for the first three days where the guys were running the ropes. On the third day he came in and the first day he said the first uh after the second day he came in, he said his side, and his hip were a little sore. Or right, like, Oh, don't worry about it, it's just running the ropes, running the ropes. The third day, he comes in, and he says, man, it really is bothering me pretty bad, and he pulled his shirt up, and he had little black and blue lines on his shoulder and his side, and then one on his on his hip, and uh, he's like, is this normal? And we're like, yeah, man, that's where the ropes are hitting. You don't worry about it. Your body will get used to it. The bru- It's just a bruise. It'll go away. So, yeah. uh, the next day, he came in, and he goes, I don't know, Sean, yeah. and He walks over with Sean, he pulls his shirt up, and Sean goes, holy cow, and he calls me over, and this guy's back was black and blue, just, I mean, like, black and, like, black and blue and purple, it was was nasty, and I was like, holy shit, that hurt, he's like, it feels uncomfortable, and we're touching it, and you can feel, like, in that area, the warmth, you know, his skin felt warm, and uh, Sean's like, well, maybe you should go see a doctor. And I'm like, no, man, it's just it's just bruising. I go, you bruise easy. I mean, I, I would I would just you know let's back off from running ropes this week until that stuff goes away. And so uh, the rest of the week and part of the, the following week, he didn't run the ropes or thing. And the bruising went away. It started and uh, yeah, it started going away. And so we just got him back to running ropes again, and he didn't have any problems after that.
0: And well, but that's the way it is. Now uh, I don't know what your guys' feelings on this. I've seen Al Snow and a couple others post about it on the importance of using chops in the ring, but not using too much. If the guy's chest looks like what Ruby just described at the end of the match, then you're using them too much.
6: Yeah, you should. I mean, I know. I know guys will say, "Well, Ric Flair, you know." But that's Ric Flair, you know, and, and uh, I mean, in independence and our level and stuff like that, it's all about working. And if you can't get a pop or whatever it is you're trying to get without hurting the guy, you know, you need to go back to wrestling school. Because in reality, that's what guys are doing it for. They they kind of get lost their match. They, they don't know what else to do. And so, oh, I'm going to get them in the top and chop them. And then mm-hmm. half the time, they're not, you know, they're not – They're not a a, a nice sounding chop It's more like a thump (laughs) Well
5: and that's just it
0: You know I uh, Don't ask me where I learned this I picked this up in music school There is a certain way That you can cup your hand Not only when you're giving a chop But when you're clapping That will actually make the sound effect That you're looking for Sure. And if you do it right you can get that sound effect without completely hurting the guy. Now, will the guy leave with my handprint on his chest? If I'm doing my job right, he will. But it shouldn't be a bruise. You know, a handprint well, is big
5: thing. I was gonna Go say, ahead. I think the big thing uh, that I've always, you know, been around or whatever, um, I always see it like it's the veteran guys trying to, you know, uh, toughen up the rookies or per se, and all the veteran guys getting like a battle royal. And they just start chopping these rookies left and right, left and right, left and right, left and right. You know, and it's like you know, uh, red red badge of courage type thing. You know what I mean? Like you know, we're gonna make him bleed yeah. and bleed or whatever, and toughen him up, this, that, and the other. You know, and I think you know, I mean, I, I understand you know the the traditions of the of the business and the whole paying your dues and this, that, and the other. And that's kind of one of the things that I'm very, very uh, open and uh, speak my mind about is because it just seems like a lot of the veteran guys now that, you know, I consider myself 22 years, you know, um, I, I always find it that a lot of those guys, you know, they talk out both sides of their mouth. And what I mean by that is, is, you know, they'll find a reason to bury that young kid. They'll find a reason for, you know, whatever to, you know, don't book that kid this and the other, And but they won't lead by example. And I think that has the same, same, same effect of what you guys are talking about with the chops, you know, it's like, they want to beat the shit out of this kid and toughen him up, you know, and this that and the other. But they're not teaching him how he should work. You know what I mean? That's what Rudy's talking about. About you know, on the Indies, you got to know how to work. You got to know how to engage the crowd and kind of like what you guys was even talking about with all the different moves. Um, I, I'm a big, big advocate of storylines and angles, especially with the crowd that we use. Um, right. I just did a podcast, like I told you guys uh, a week or two ago. When we book our shows, we work backwards, and what I mean by that is is we have an anniversary show every year and a Hall of Fame show every year, and we know what we're pretty much going to do during that Hall of Fame show, during that, you know, all that, and we work everything backwards. Um, and everything is built up toward that And it's all about the emotions And it's all about um, the storytelling And all of that And the payoff is that anniversary show Right you know? so and,
0: and you just had one uh, You just had one big match Between Shauna Reed And a girl that will be working for me And has worked for me in the past
5: Hold on, i star yeah, well, you know, it was actually it was it was uh, the main event this year at our Hall of Fame show was actually Samoa yes. Star versus Hardcore Heather Own. Yes. Um, and that was in a game They a yeah, they were they worked a fan free weapons cake match. and we had about uh 6, people at this show or whatever. Um, but we had built that angle and that storyline up for all a year. So the fans wanted to see that. You know what I mean? Even going into it it's crazy. Even going into it, the fans knew that Heather Holmes was retiring after that match, and the fans just wanted to see that match. You know, so yeah.
3: I mean, you know, like I said you
5: he does with some of the traditions and all this and the other and the shopping. Because I know, I know you guys are talking about the Al Snow thing because we posted it, and the dude's chest literally looked like March meat or you know, hamburger. You know, yeah, right. um I I don't know. You know, I mean, I, I don't think it. That, I don't think that. Acceptable in today's wrestling. Um, nope. You know, I mean, I, I know that it's happened. You know, I've been heard shows where guys are, you know, where five veteran guys take the rookie in the corner and just chop the shit out of him to be chopping the shit out of him, you know. Uh, right. So, you know, wow. I, I, it's, it's one of those things I call the unwritten rules in wrestling. <laughs> you know, it just seems now, like everybody does it, but we, we don't know why we're doing it.
0: Right. Well, anyhow, it, it's, it's, like, it's like having the guys do ring crits. Okay, to me, somebody that's breaking new into the business before they even get to get in that ring, they need to know how to set up and tear down that ring. They need to know why they need to know how to set up and tear down that ring, because they're going to be doing that before they even get in the ring. And that's the way that I was brought in. That's the way a lot of other people were brought in. You knew how to put up that ring before you were ever allowed in that ring. And there's right. people that have uh, issues with that, like, oh, well, I don't want my guys to know how to set up and tear down the ring. Why? They should be part of ring crew. That That's part of your paying your dues. You know, yep, you, you right. spend a year setting up and tearing down the ring, and then you're, you know, back in the day of Rudy's days, you spent a year setting up and tearing down the ring. And if you stuck around long enough to do that, then they would talk to you about maybe training you. It wasn't, Maybe. hey, we're going to take your money, and we're going to train you, and, well, you know, I'm the next so-and-so, so and so so you got to come take train with me. No. It, it wasn't like that. And we pleased the business back then. We don't police the business anymore. There are some trainers that are afraid to tell a guy that is 350, 400 pounds that he can't work. Because we live in a politically correct society, and I'm sorry, but the day that wrestling got politically correct is the day that the business started to go downhill.
6: Well, I think a lot of guys, I mean, and I know I'm gonna piss off some people with this one, but I know a lot of trainers out there that, um, okay. So we'll take my, we'll take my, you know, my school for example. If a guy, you know, I, 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 I I train all my guys the same way. If you're out of shape, you're gonna get in shape. If you're in shape, you're gonna get in better shape. I don't cut corners for anybody, you know. I mean if you come in you're overweight, you know what I mean, you should know what you know, what's going on, you should know what you know what the process what the process is and, and what you what you know, what to expect. I even let guys come in, sit down and watch for a couple of days if they want. Before they pay me anything,
2: right? Um,
6: and if they if it doesn't work out, I mean, I, you know, if if it's not there, they may owe me money. If they owe me money, it doesn't matter. They're gone. If right. they give me an attitude, if there's a problem, they can't get in shape, they can't commit, they can't whatever. Then they're gone. Simple as that. Um, and then, you know, they'll go somewhere else. And it's happened to several guys down here in San Antonio. They'll go somewhere else, and then come back with, well, I, I'm training at this place? They say I'm doing well. Are you paying the guy? Yeah, I pay him so much every month. That's why you're doing well because you're paying him. I don't <laughs> as much as. oh, bingo, of Trainers are. That's how a lot of trainers are, man. It's, and it's, you know, it's like, uh, you know, and I'll tell, I'll tell guys, pick them out. Ask him. Pick him out. Ah, uh, bro, he owes me five hundred bucks. I can't do that. Man, who gives a you know, and that's that's one of the main reasons why the business is the way it is, because nobody down here guys, I'm known as a as a dick because I mean I just I just can't stand seeing shitty matches, I can't stand seeing a shitty attitude, I can't stand you know, and it's not that I dislike the person. it's just that, you know, I think when I see when I see guys, okay, so like the other day, uh, we are taking the ring down. We're moving, we're putting the ring up, and the the guy who's promoting the show comes out, and he says, hey, man, we got to move the ring over. So this guy's holding a ring post, and he's holding the ring post in one hand, and he has his monster drink in the other hand. So everybody's trying to move the ring over, and this guy's like, uh, 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 can somebody grab this ring post, please? I I I'm holding my drink, and I, I in all honesty, I feel like picking that fucking can out of his hand. You know, if if I would have done that shit, hey guys, can somebody grab this ring post because I've got my soda in my hand? I would have, you know, somebody would have backhanded me and thrown me out of the building. You know,
0: well, and 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 the yep. other thing is this. You know, I saw Rudy's post the other day about uh, he he did ring crew by himself. And look, I don't have a training school, but if I had a training school, and that's the kind of shit that happened, oh, would would training the next time we had training be a bitch.
6: The funny here's the story on that. The funny thing is, so Monday, I had, I had all my guys. I had like fifteen guys in my in my class, and so we had a show that night. And uh, so it was like a four or five-hour drive back. By the time the guys back, got back to San Antonio, it was
2: it was a uh, four,
6: three, four, five o'clock in the morning. And I had told, I had told everybody we're gonna we're gonna put we're gonna put the ring in storage because we I keep I take care of my ring. I put it in storage but we don't use it. So I said well, we're gonna put it in storage at ten o'clock. But I realized that the guys were getting it late. So just so that I don't, I, I mean I'm not I'm not the drill sergeant guy. I'm not cracking the whip on anybody. I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, run guys to the ground. So I said, you know what? I'll let the guy sleep. Uh, we'll, we'll load, we'll load on the, unload the ring at six
2: o'clock. So six
6: o'clock comes and I'm, that's when I made that post that, you know, I guess I'm the ring crew cause I was there by myself. And then I guess I posted that and some of the guys saw that and said, Oh shit, Rudy, Rudy's going to be pissed tomorrow. So, they, you know, a couple of guys did show up. So Monday, I'm like, "So uh, what happened?" So the guy that didn't show up, every one of those guys said they had to work on a Sunday night at six o'clock in the evening. The funny <laughs> thing about that is that every one of those guys never have money. And so I'm thinking, if you had to work, how come you always think you never have money? And if you never <laughs> have money. Why aren't you working? Well something just something just isn't it, something just isn't right here. You know? So I just told them, Is this the way it is? I'm not sick. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna you know I'm not gonna try and bury anybody or if you guys if you guys can't help with the ring, we just don't do shows. Simple as that. I don't have to, I don't have to do shows. I do shows because I use the shows as a means for the students. <coughs> To get experience working in front of a crowd. Right. I don't I don't make any money. That's for sure on these on these events. Uh, well, I was gonna say, you
5: know, I was gonna say, I was gonna, I was gonna so, chime in on that. I think. Uh, go ahead.
6: Oh, so I mean, if, if they're coming in the train, and you know, every one of the guys, and i told them. I have all their emails that they sent me. Every one of my guys have told me it's my passion. It's my dream. It's my goal. It's my, you know, it's in my blood. it's I've been wanting to do this since I was three years old. Uh, blah 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 blah. But when it comes when it comes time to doing wrestling stuff, you know uh, I got to work. Uh, my girlfriend's uh, my dog had a baby. Uh, uh, my, my you know I had a flat tire. I ran out of gas. There's one guy that there's one guy that misses training every now and then. miss training, and I'll tell him why. He's you know ask him why. He says he has no job. I mean, he has no vehicle. But San Antonio has one of the better transit systems in the country. I'm like, dude, take the damn bus. Ah, uh, well, uh, uh, so, you know, I was always thought of if you. If, if you want something bad enough, there's no excuse why you're not going to do it. And if you do have an excuse, you must not want it bad enough.
3: Absolutely. Go ahead, Thomas. All
6: right.
5: Well, I was, I was gonna say my my uh, my thinking is a little bit different because you know you guys are talking about the pains and dudes and this that and the other and all of that. Um, I have a ring crew and a setup crew that have absolutely nothing to do with wrestling. They're not managers, referees, valets, anything to do with the, anything to do with the show at all. Their sole job is to set up, tear down. And make the show look like a million bucks And the reason why I do that Is kind of like what you, what Rudy was saying Where, you know, guys got every excuse in the book Well, I'm going to book you To be on our shows Just solely from your talent I'm not going to book you because you're a ride-along With you, one of the boys and you're a warm body And, you know, whatever else So that's where I dip with a lot of guys A lot of people that run promotions or whatever Like, I have a whole crew Like, we did a show Saturday um, And I had twelve people were at that show that was nothing but set up and tear down and they run my security, they run confessions, and they run the door. That's it. They have nothing else to do with the actual physical part of the show. And for me, that makes it a that makes it a level playing field as far as guys' talent. So that's where I'm right. a little bit different, you know. I'm a little bit different on my way of thinking or whatever. And granted, you know, we're at a point where, you know, we actually pay. We still pay all, the, all of our staff and this, that, and the other. We pay them to be there. And I got to, for this particular show, like, you know, I bought them pizza uh, for months during the setup. And then we're on our way home, you know, I bought all everybody snacks and drinks and all that crap or whatever, you know. And plus getting a little bit of money, um, you know. So that's the one big difference for me is, is you know, I, I, and, I, and he, even me 22 years later, I still am part of the ring crew. I still do the ring myself. Me and three other guys do the ring every show that we do. Um, you know, so I guess, I guess that's a little bit different um, than a lot of people. Uh, you know, um, the whole pain you're due thing I, I absolutely agree with, but the problem with me on that, people saying that is, is a lot of the veteran guys now didn't. Pay their dues. So how can you tell someone else to pay their dues?
6: And that's that's <laughs> another that's another issue that's, that you guys are hitting it tonight. There are a lot of guys, a lot of quote unquote veteran guys that are caught, trying to call shots when they never did. You know, they never did half the stuff that they try and accuse or they try and tag the other the newer guys. You know, doing. Like there's one guy that makes a post every now and then about guys uh, not signing up for clinics. I never saw him sign up for a clinic when he was when he was wrestling. So why are you you know why is he trying to uh, shame other guys? You know you're not serious about the business if you don't sign up for this clinic. You never showed up for a clinic. I think maybe he might have done one. You know I mean I you know and I'm not I'm not trying to pat myself in the back or anything like that, but. Man, when I broke in, you had to, you had to be on the ball, man. You had to be a jack of all trades. You had to take shit, eat it, and love it, because a lot of the veteran guys back then did, they did try and test you, not in a malicious way, but just to see where you're at. You know, uh, one thing I haven't heard of in a long time is, is the green guys carrying bags. I used to carry yeah, green. Manny or Chavo's bags. Uh, I know Sean carried Terry Von eric's bag, you know, a few times during there. I mean, that was part of the deal. The, the older guys would the younger guys would drive the veterans to the towns. The veteran guys would get out grab my bag, kid. And then the other guy would say grab my bag also. And the other guy would say, and, and grab my bag and don't drop shit. And so there was you know, Rudy Gonzalez carrying, you know Al Madrill and Butch will you know, Butch Miller and Luke Williams bags and and my own bags, you know, into the building. You know, and or maybe I would take one one guy's bag and then the other guy, oh, so you like him more than me, huh? That's why he brought his bag in first. No, no, uh, uh, I'll be right back. You know, I mean that that, that was that right. was another part of those that was another part of those paying your dues deals. Now if well, I told bingo. if I told if I told a student of mine, Hey, can you go grab my bag? what uh no yep. uh seriously uh <laughs> yep. you know i mean i i don't i don't tell i don't I'm not, like i said before i'm not i'm not uh i'm not a dick with my students i do want them to appreciate what they're doing and stuff but i mean i don't i don't make them do all the the shitty things that you know maybe i should i don't know i don't i just don't like i don't we don't do chalk class that the way we used us to do or, yeah you know, you know, I don't. You know, I just want them to appreciate and respect what I've done because I respect what the guys before me did, and uh, and just appreciate that even though, even though they paid me all this money, I still don't owe them anything. And That's the bottom line. I mean, that's I still don't owe them anything. I trained them, but I don't owe them helping them get bookings. I don't even owe them a booking. Uh, and that's just the reality of it. I mean that once you know there there are there are trainers out there that will take your money and show you a few things, and then you got to get your own bookings. You find you got to find your own work. You know, uh, I you know uh, one of my guys posted on on Facebook. I mean, I'll help guys get booked. I'll drive them to the to the places. I'll talk to promoters for them you know I'll do whatever I can to help them do better or to you know to move up the ladder but I know that I really don't have to. Do that. I do it cuz I enjoy it I, I I like helping the guys out and I like I like seeing them succeed
0: right well and that, and that that's just it you can't there are some guys that are breaking into this business in 2019 that want to take advantage of a promoter and I need to be your champion in nine months' time. Right. No,
3: because we have
0: other plans for the title. But I know I need to be your champion. No. And then you have trainers out here, and pr- that are also promoters that get everybody to drink their Kool-Aid. When they were barely a somebody who was trained by a nobody, and now they're out there training people and now we've got a whole continuous cycle of this shit. And I am so sick and tired of people training people and and letting them believe, oh, you can go get yourselves a pair of overalls and call yourselves a raffler. And with that being said, I'm, we're going to take a one minute break while we play this quick ad. So,
3: gentlemen, just stay with us one
1: second. Hi there. So you want to get into professional wrestling, but you just don't know how to do it? Well, I can show you how. All you have to do is dial one nine seven six R A S S L E R. That's one nine seven six Wrestler. I'll teach you the ins and outs, the ups and downs, everything you on to the wrestling just remember that number it's one nine seven six R 976 rassler that's one nine seven six 976 rassler make sure you call today I'll be waiting for you calls to one nine seven six 976 rassler are 29 95 per second all major credit cards are accepted,
4: and
0: unfortunately, that is how easy some people think getting into the wrestling business should be, <laughs> but it's the truth I mean there yeah i I said it earlier, look if there is a guy that you know. And I don't mean to say this to be, uh, you know, excluding of anyone or anything like that. But if a guy has a built-in insulin pump, and what I mean by that is it's been implanted in his body, maybe he shouldn't be wrestling. Because if that gets it, my my thinking is, if that gets mixed in even one time the wrong way, we could have a critical critical situation on our hands. What right. happens if somebody were to drop tick that, and the thing were to start releasing insulin in the guy's body when he didn't need it? <laughs> Why right.
5: would that guy even take the chance?
0: But I don't know. I, I'm I'm being serious. I've seen it happen, and I don't get it. I, I really don't get it. That would be like giving somebody a, with a pacemaker allowing them to come back and wrestle in the ring. I, I, yeah. I don't, I, I, don't get it, and this is what's going on in the wrestling business, at least here in my neck of the woods in 2019, is we're, we're training guys like this, and I don't get it. I, I, you know, am I the, I'm beginning to think that, uh, you know, besides the four of us, there's not many people left in the wrestling business with actual common sense, um, <laughs> because, look. I If I were training people, I would not take a chance on a guy that had an you know, insulin pump built into his body. I just wouldn't do it. And that, and that may go against some certain laws, but you know what? I would rather have the peace of mind knowing that that guy's not going to get seriously hurt and we're going to have a serious issue on our hands than to let him wrestle and have something happen and, and have my ass sued. Right.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's like it's like uh, you know, a few weeks ago, the uh, word actually finally leaked out that uh, David Arquette had had a heart attack over a year ago, and yet he's doing he's doing he's doing wrestling. He's uh, gonna be on the uh, on the show uh, WrestleMania weekend over in uh, New York. It's like this guy has no business being in the ring. He is not. Healthy enough To be in the ring There is a promoter That I know
0: that has That is allowing a guy that alleges That he's had eight strokes wrestle for him And I said Why would you let the guy come back and wrestle for you Even after one stroke Let alone eight So do
4: you
6: guys Go ahead uh, So do you guys know Greg Antling Yes. Greg Anthony had a stroke last year and I think I think he has I don't know for sure, stents in his I'm not sure.
2: But he's working there. Oh Lord. Oh yeah, and, God, no way, no way.
6: <laughs> yes, My, wife yes. um, and, My wife has death My wife has death, that would not happen. I I've asked about it and he said he's he's fine, he's doing fine. I mean I, I
0: if you're medically cleared, that's one thing, but I, yeah. there there needs to be yeah. times where yeah. promoters okay. and trainers, you know, need to come together and say, okay, you know, if if you've got this serious of a health issue, you don't need to be working. Um, right. there There's a guy. There's a guy that I know that had been wrestling with a torn rotator cuff for probably the better part of a year, and I said, what are you doing? Oh, I got to keep going, man. Got, no, you got, you're going to tear your flesh off your bone if you keep going. You're going to tear the muscle off the bone if you keep going.
3: And I think I think
6: at the point, uh, I don't know. I think that those are decisions that the individual can make on his own, whether he wants to work or participate or not. But then there's also the decision on the promoter whether he wants to use them or not. Now,
4: right. The guy
6: has a torn rotator cup and he wants to continue working. From my, from my, you know, from my side of the table, fine, work all you want. I'm not going to use you. Right. Uh, I like I like Greg Anthony. He's a nice guy and we have great conversations. I wouldn't book him because I would be scared of something happening, and right. I don't want that to happen to him. And I sure wouldn't want to have it at one of my shows, uh, but I'm not. I'm not saying you can't wrestle, Greg. You know, right. That's, right. Right. That's, that's his choice. Right. So and that's, that's kind of like one of the weird things, you know. It's uh, you know, I, I've had, you know, I I've, I've had some guys that have, have been up front. They've told me they've, you know, they've had injuries or they're working with injuries, and I just won't use them. I won't not because I don't like them. It's just I'm not going to be part of that, you know. Right.
0: Um, well, and, and you know, it also it also you also have to be smart enough as a promoter and as a trainer uh Rudy to know if they're working with injuries, they could be misusing substances to deal with those injuries. And cool. we have I mean, had right. enough we have had enough people, you know, in in the wrestling business overdose of opioids that we don't need another promoter or another trainer getting yep. caught up in a scandal like that so it's, right. you, you've you got to pick and choose your battles and in 2019 not a lot of people in the wrestling business get that and I've, I've got to say this I am tired of seeing promoters flying under the radar and what I mean by this is they're running buildings that were never properly zoned to host a wrestling event but we think that we're going to fly under the radar and do it anyway um, if you're built, look if if you're not putting out flyers or at least notifying the town that you're running in that you're running the show, you don't need to be running the show. Because if you're going to be that under the radar about it, what what's even the well, so, Purpose. Well, I
5: was going to say, I know here in Ohio we have uh, what they call, you know we have an athletic commission, and, right? Uh, you, you know you pay two hundred dollars a year for to be a promoter and a hundred dollars hundred dollars a show. Um, but if you know, in my opinion, it's it's, it's a joke to, in a way because of the fact of it. They only enforce the rules when someone else gets in ever, you know, in a pissing contest with another promoter, and they call on each other. You know, that's the only right. time they enforce the rules. And like I said, we just did a show last Saturday um, in Huntington, Indiana, and I know a lot of people that run over in Indiana, and. You know, most of them don't know that you have to have an entertainment permit to run a legal show in the state of Indiana. They don't have a, they don't have an athletic commission, but you have to pay a hundred and two dollars, well ninety nine dollars plus tax, whatever, to legally run a show in the state of Ohio. You have to have an entertainment permit. So how many of those promoters don't have the entertainment permit? Good question. Well, you know, uh, think about that.
0: And you Illinois know, and is even worse because we don't have either. We don't have we, – we have nothing here in Illinois, and it, it's, it's – we have people running this town, this state rampant. And, I mean, just – I got to play this yeah. ad for you guys because this uh, this was a real company a couple of years ago. I stepped in when I found out they were closing and it gave guys an ultimatum. I said, you can go get real training and come work for me or – you cannot go get real training, and you can be a backyarder the rest of your life.
3: Uh,
0: this is this is uh, this was revolution
2: wrestling. Brothers and sisters, are you wanting to become a professional wrestler? I said, brothers and sisters, are you wanting to become a professional wrestler? But you don't want to pay the dues of actually going through real training, going from town to town, setting up rings, putting them down, and actually learning how to do these things. Well, you don't have to, because, hallelujah, you can come to Revolution Wrestling and you can learn using our patented training method of watching Raw and SmackDown and trying to learn those moves. And if you get hurt, well, we don't have no insurance, but by golly, I'm a minister, and I do have connections with the man upstairs, and we will pray for you to get healed. Hallelujah. Now, if you want to become a professional wrestler, and amaze and entertain your family and friends, we guarantee that you will be able to be a professional wrestler within just two weeks using our patented training methods. So come on down, join us at Revolution Wrestling. That's right, Revolution Wrestling. Where we don't train by the normal methods, we lock the backyard way best. Hallelujah, praise the Lord, and pass the offering plate, because we need your money. Amen.
0: So basically that, what that was based on, there was a company here that got in negotiations uh, it was a backyard company here that got in negotiations with a church group and was somehow able to con the church group into getting them a ring and letting them run out of their teen center. Well, the parking lot of their teen center anyway. And... Uh, <clears throat> There are some of them that are still uh, training and, and you know working actual shows. A majority of them hung it up and uh, never decided that they wanted to go get real training and become some uh, become something. So we no longer book them. Um, but this is this is the kind of stuff that we've got going on in Illinois. There's another one that runs in uh, Alton, Illinois, which is down by St. Louis that has just blossomed into its own thing and now they're running shows where they charge admission and it's it's just a mess and this is this is going to be our final topic tonight with the about 18 minutes and 30 seconds that we have left we may roll over a little bit into the after party if the gentleman can stay Um, the thing about it is this you have to even in 2019 police the business we, had a promo- we have a promoter here in Illinois. I'm not going to name names, but he'll know who he is if he listens to this, and I really don't give a damn. He booked a kid that sexually assaulted a female in a locker room back in October for the last three shows, and we'll probably be booking him again for his show this weekend. I don't agree with it. I think it's wrong. I think it's immoral. Uh, he fired a kid for beating the shit out of his wife and leaving her for dead on New Year's, but then hires this other kid that sexually assaulted someone. Um, I, also, I also know that he used to have a friend that's a sex offender. So as I told the promoter, I said, if you're going to let this kid continue to work for you and you need his money that bad, you might as well line up every ex-con with a record that you can find and bring them into your company too. Because I I don't get it. I don't get how a promoter does not realize in 2019 that this could be a thing that could bury his company. And that, you know, um, having somebody that works for you with a reputation like that is only going to harm you, not help you.
6: So, because I I remember that. Um, And I really don't know who to ask this question to, but. So was the guy that was accused of sexually assaulting the female was per- charges ever pressed?
0: He was not charged, but it—I mean—it's all over the internet,
6: and right. But so go ahead. So that—that's the technicality that that a promoter will go under. Well, there are no charges pressed, so uh, what am I supposed to do? And
2: and extent—he's
6: right, you know. But I mean. Again, that's one of those things where you know I wouldn't book them you know I, you know I wouldn't use them, but uh I know promoters that would yeah, I mean here in Texas that was if that was the case here in Texas, I know there are promoters that would still book a guy like that uh, in Texas, we don't have a commission, but I've noticed that there are more promotions around here that are kind of like watched over their crew and others. Um, so, like, there was a an EMT guy, um, a medic guy, that was attending the shows uh, free of charge. Uh, the promoters were, were asking him to come in because, you know, everybody wants to have a medic at the show, which is a good idea. The guy was just abusing his position. Uh, so, like, one promoter was paying him, and a guy got hurt, and so this medic guy Tried charging the talent for whatever service he did, so that got him fired from that group. Uh, a girl got hurt, and he made a weird, you know, one of those creepy comments to her, and you know, put his. I think he, you know the story I heard was he put his hands where he shouldn't have, and so she got upset, so he got fired. So the promoter was, needed a, a medic, and he was the only guy left. So the promoter calls me and says, "Hey, who do you use?" And I said, hey, I don't, I don't touch that guy. I don't mess with him. I use this guy instead. And so the guy that I used went up to Austin and worked for this other promoter. And I mean, that's you know, that's what we do down here is we try and, you know, everybody has their own little deals of doing stuff or whatever. But we, we still try and and police our own stuff. Uh, you know, mm. trying. I mean, no one down here is perfect. No one anywhere is perfect. But we right. try. Right.
0: Well and I and you know, it's it's gotta be done. I mean You know, you can't you can't it's like it's like having a known burglar work for work for you. If the guy's known as a thief, he's known as a thief. You know, do I believe in second chances? Yes. But if the guy has been labeled a thief and has been a thief in the past six months, then, no, he doesn't need to be booked because it's gonna t- take time for that to go away, and I don't know that it uh, you know there are certain offenses like sexual assault and things of that nature that will never go away
5: right.
0: um, you know it's it's just the well, way think, it
5: is go ahead I, was Doc. Gonna say, I think with the way i was gonna, I think with the way that social media is now and that sort of thing or whatever. I, I just think, like you know, the more you know, the morale police or whatever you want to call them or whatever. I just think that you just need to police yourself. I mean, I'll give you a good example, and I don't really name drop too much or whatever. But I had a couple guys. Um, one of them was a uh, Chad Collier from back in the day. Um, I got certain rules that I just absolutely, you know, I enforce. And he was caught drinking a beer at our show, and I flat out fired him right there on the spot. I said, dude, you're not going to do that, you know, and, you know, to this day, you know, there ain't no heat, there ain't no animosity or whatever, but I just, you know, um, my promotion, when they come to my town, they represent what we're doing, and, you know, um, I'm well known in this community, it's a smaller town, you know, and I've got the phone calls at three or four o'clock in the morning that the boys are out partying, this, that, and the other, you know, that they're raising a little bit of hell, and this, that, and the other. But, you know, the reality of it is, is, you know, we definitely need to police ourselves, um, you know, especially with social media. You know, you hear people, you know, uh, the guy sending dick pics or whatever to teenage girls, and it's all over the Internet now and all this other crap. and You know, that doesn't help anybody at the end of the day. And, you know, but the problem is with that is if you, if you don't use a, a guy, there's 10 other guys that will. Right. That's
3: the,
5: that's, exactly. that's the problem. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's that's, the uh, that's
0: a very valid point on across the board.
5: You know, I mean, I, I got a control. guy
0: go
6: ahead. I can only control my group.
0: Right. You know.
5: Right. Um I agree with that 100%. Thomas. I I would say I agree with that 100% as far as control of, you know, um our our group. You know, uh I mean, you know, I tell them, you know, the day of the show when they come to, you know, the area that we're in, you know, they represent what we're doing. Um, we're pretty much the only group in this area within 70 miles, I guess, um, north and south, east and west, and, you know, we bust our butts. And, you know, we had a group that came in here. Um, they did a cancer benefit. It was a fly-by-night company. They did a, a cancer benefit, and they ripped everybody off, stiffed the venue, stiffed the, you know, everything, whatever. And here it is four or five years later, and I'm still crossing those bridges, you know, that they've burned. You know, now now magnify that with, you know, sexual assault and whatever else, you know, I mean it all no matter what you do, it's going to put a black eye on wrestling. You know, I tell everybody that all the time and I I, I, I use this analogy, I always tell everybody, on independent wrestling, we're like the bastard child of
3: Satan. <laughs> <laughs> you know.
5: That
2: makes sense, yeah that makes
5: sense you know because it's like it's like it's like the you know wrestling wrestling attracts the misfits wrestling for the most part attracts You know guys that are misfits girls that are misfits You know the the you know the guys that didn't The kids that didn't fit into society in school They weren't jocks, they weren't this they weren't that You know whatever it is we get in We all we're all a melting pot And for whatever reason we have You know all of us have faults and this that And the other and I I think that's That's the big thing like I tell a lot of the guys You know I'm 46 years old now And truthfully other than wrestling I don't have anything in common with a 20 Year old kid that's getting in wrestling you know what I mean? I wouldn't hang out with them in everyday society, this, that, and the other, you know. So you got to kind of put yourself in that situation, you know. And I'm a firm believer if you give the guys an inch, they're going to take a mile. And exactly. Like it, like, yeah. like, with me, the guys know straight up, you know what I mean? Like I just had an incident um, at, at one of our shows where one of the wrestlers was smoking weed uh, prior to coming to our show, and he wasn't smart enough to you know, wear cologne or whatever, or he's immune to it or whatever. And a fan came up to me and and then private messaged me and said he would no longer attend the shows because his kids wanted to know what that skunk smell smelled like. And wow. you know I'm the one I'm the one that's gonna try to spin that and be and be politically correct, you know, and this and the other. And I gave the guy the benefit of the doubt, you know what I mean? I gave him the benefit of the doubt. Well, lo and behold, Saturday rolls around, me and him shake hands in the locker room, he smells like weed again. And it's just like, you know what, man, you know, it's like even though it may be cool in your circle, it's not cool in everyone's circle, and they're automatically going to judge you that it's professional wrestling from the jump. So you already got one strike against you. And then now, you know, now, you know, you, you got, you're smelling like wheat. There's two strikes. You know what I mean? So the thing is, is you just got to hold yourself to a higher standard and you got to enforce the rules all the way across the board, regardless on who it is. You know, um, I know you guys said you guys were from Indiana and Illinois and all of that. Um, I used a guy, he was actually my champion at the time. Um, and he gave me attitude. He showed up to a show late and this, that, and the other and demanded this money. And, you know, he didn't even make the show. and He made a big scene in front of all these fans, and I fired him. He was our champion at the time. And I just flat out told him, I was like, you know, there's a way that you need to approach me and be professional because I'm going to treat you the same way. But you don't do, you don't act like an idiot out in public because that's a judgment to you and on to me. And I fired that dude. And to this day, I'm still friends with him now because now he's a little bit older and a little bit wiser and a little bit smarter about the business. And he's no longer right. in wrestling, but he thanked me, you know. And that's the type of thing I tell everybody. You know, a lot of the promoters nowadays, and I hate using this word, a lot of the promoters now are just flat out marks That can't find their way in the business any other way. They don't didn't go to a school. They whatever. They just rent a ring. They find a building, and they got tax money or whatever, and they decide to run a show. And you know, it is what it is. You know what I mean? Like I tell that to people all the time. I can never prevent anybody from running a show if they truly want to run a show. It's just the fact that I'm going to be judged by that show. You know what I mean? So you know that's one of those things. I mean, you know, I agree. You know, we need to police ourselves or whatever, but. For whatever reason, if there is a the morale police or whatever, and you don't want to use guys for certain, you know, that's, there's other guys that will use that guy. And, you know, he may be $20 cheaper than another guy or whatever. You know, I mean, he may bring 10, 10 fans to the show or whatever it ends up being. You know, it's, it's a sad world in which we, you know, uh, to be involved in the wrestling on that side of it. Um, but like I said, with me, you know, I post my rules. Of what I expect out of my talent, right, right at, as soon as they get in the locker room, I have everything posted, you know. And it's like if you break one of those rules, just more likely I'll, I'll replace you, you know. Exactly. Um, and that's that's the thing, you know. I mean, uh, I want to play this where I want to play
0: this for you, Thomas. Uh, you said tax okay. refund wrestling, and we actually have an ad for that.
2: Tax refund promotions presents professional wrestling, a show that will not actually happen. Starring pictures of former WWE, Impact, and Ring of Honor stars that we're going to put on our poster just to lure you suckers into the building, even though they will not actually be appearing. Featuring the pictures of the real wrestlers, who will just be local jabronis that we're getting for a hot dog and a handshake. All this will take place inside of the neighborhood bar that we're getting for the cost of a case of beer. And the ring will be a homemade wooden ring because, no, we can't afford a real, actual, safe wrestling ring. Liability insurance? You must be crazy. We can't afford that either. I'm not getting that much of a refund check back. All we can really afford is the beer and the posters. So, mommy, get my tax refund check ready and get it signed over to me because... I want to hurry up and play wrestling promoter. Tax refund wrestling, not coming soon to a location near you.
5: <laughs> and the funny thing about that is, is that is so true. You know, I tell people that, you know I mean? I'm sure Rudy and you guys and me and, you know, everyone's experienced that, you know what I mean? And, and uh, you know they'll run one show and they won't run anymore. You know what I mean? And, and and it's just you know like you said they'll advertise. Actually, it's pretty funny. There's a promotion up in the Cleveland, Ohio area that put out some posters the other day, and it had a picture of Kurt Angle on it. And you know like they didn't say he was gonna be there. It was just he was on the poster. You know what I mean? You know, and it's ah, just one of those things where. Oh my God. You're just sitting there oh. Your- I, yeah, I mean, I've seen it all as far as that, you know, I mean, you know, I guess, you know, I guess, uh, you know, even with me, you know, um, I've tried to use guys and, 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 and you know, I very seldom use a quote unquote name, um, and that sort of thing. But, you know, the, that's the main problem, you know, even if it's a regulated state like us, you know, I mean, as long as they pay their money, anybody can run a show, you know what I mean? But the problem that I have is, is when legit guys go and work for these guys because it makes them feel that they're, a part of the business, or accepted into the business, you know. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's that's my big issue with Thank a God. lot of the guys. You Because know, I've, seen, I've seen some of these tax time promoters book legit guys, and I know that that guy's soaking that guy dry, What's whatever, it is what it is. But the problem <laughs> with that is, is that makes that guy that has no business being in the business feel he's a part of what we're doing, you know. And that's that's right. the main thing, you know. Going, going full circle, like Rudy said, being a jack of all trades, you know, I, I still feel even after 22 years of being in this business and, you know, now I'm just solely an owner, promoter, and a booker, I still feel I'm on the bottom rung of the, of the business, and that bottom rung is broke. So I got to keep trying to, you know, improve my product and, and, you know, better the promotion, better, you know, better the guys we're using, this, that, and the other. You know, and that's the big thing with me, you know, is, is is that's something that was instilled in me that, you know, I'm truly, truly a nobody in a world where with a whole bunch of somebodies, you know. But I still think, you know, that guys, it all starts here. This is like AAA baseball, you know what I mean? You know, you got to give these guys, um, uh, teach them the way the business should be because here's the thing. If they can't handle it here, how are they going to be able to handle it up there when they're on the road 200 250 days a year, whatever, you know, Right. I mean, kind of change it up, change it up a little bit about the tax time promoters, but nothing surprises me anymore when it comes to professional wrestling and who is running shows. You know, the only thing I, Rudy said, the only thing I can totally worry about is my crew, my show, the area that I run in and what we try to do and what we try to give back. You know, um, that's the thing where I'm at. Exactly. 16 years of Doing these shows, um, <clears throat> You know, like we use wrestling as a tool now, and what I mean by that is, is we run shows, and we don't donate a lot of money to the local community. You know, Big Brothers, Big Sisters, and the less fortunate, and all of that. And we're at a point now mm-hmm. where me and my wife have actually donated over three hundred fifty thousand dollars back to the local community just through wrestling over the last sixteen wow. years. Wow. You know, so that's the big thing with me. So it's like I try to hold myself and my crew to a higher standard because we're in the community, you know what I mean? We're a part of the community. We're entrenched in the community. We give back. You know, we've bought, you know, the local veterans group, uh, food pantry, whatever. we've bought them a semi worth of food from wrestling. You know, and that's the thing where, you know, like I said, I can't control what somebody does in Detroit or, you know, um, you know, Columbus, Ohio or Fort Wayne, Indiana, or, you know, Louisville, Kentucky. The only thing I can worry about is the area that I'm in and the promotion that I'm trying to put out, you know, Um, Uh and that's the big thing. You know, like, you know, I'm sure Rudy goes with it down in that area. You know, you're going to have everybody – running shows because it's not regulated and this, that, and the other. The only thing you can truly, truly do is go above and beyond and give the fans what they want for their money's worth. And I think that's what separates the good promotions from the bad promotions.
2: Exactly, exactly. I, You're, you're, you're so right on, Thomas, that it's – it's not even funny it's well like, but
3: it's it is
2: true i
0: mean there's a lot of there's a lot of promoters out here that want to book the $20 guys because we can book $20 guys and they don't realize that if they spend a little bit more money on a $50 to $75 guy that have a higher quality event and the higher quality of event that they put on the more people that are going to come back, the more people are going to be talking about it, the more people that are going to want to come back and see it again.
5: Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I, you know, I even, even like a small thing, like I tell everybody, you know, which I, it kind of blows me away on how many people run shows and this that, and the other, um, you know, like not having water in the locker room. You know, I said that earlier, but, you know, we right. go one step further, we go uh-huh. one step further with our shows. We average between, between, you know, all the wrestlers, managers, referees, you know, everybody that's physically on the show, physically in the locker room, we feed them a full blown meal prior to the show we're talking chicken breast and rice and veggies and hummus and pita chips and cheese and, you know, the whole shebang. And we feed every single person on that show or whatever. You know, yeah, it might cost us a couple hundred bucks, but to me, you know, that that helps them not have to spend the money that they're making on the show on food later, you know what I mean? And to me, that's what separates the good promoters, the good promotions or whatever from the bad ones or whatever because, I mean, to me – You know, I like going to a show and know that there's going to be food there, and this, and the other. You know, it makes the guys feel that they're appreciated. It makes them feel like, you know, they're a part of something bigger than just showing up and wrestling and making no money. Right. You know, so I don't know. You know, I mean, like I said, you know, I'm sure me and Rudy and all you guys could probably have a 10-hour roundtable discussion about things that go right and wrong (laughs) in wrestling. Um, you yeah. know, I tell people all the time, you know, I'm very, very vocal with what I do or what I put on social media. Um, but, you know, the biggest thing for me is, is I just want guys to question why things are happening or, you know, why there isn't any water in the locker room or, you know, why is it that there's no crowd there and why does the ring look like crap and all these other things or whatever. And if I can get one person to question that, to me, then I'm doing everyone, a uh, you know, a, a service or whatever on trying to make the business a little bit better. Absolutely. You know? So, yeah, like I said, you know, I, I, I've, I've read a lot of Rudy, Rudy stuff over the years and this, that, and the other. You know, and like you had mentioned, you know, Bob Evans, uh, you know, uh, writes stuff about me and this, that, and the other or whatever. Um, he came to one of our shows uh, last October, and I had never met him, but he was passing through and he stopped. And he was like, "Dude, where in the hell have you been all these years?" He's like, "Your shit's on, you know, your shit's on point." You know what I mean? You got a ring crew. You got everything looks professional. The guys look like wrestlers, and blah 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 blah. And I said, "I just have never put myself out there like that because I only worry about what I can control." Right. You know. So that's my big thing with what, what with what we do and how we do it, and the reasons why we do it. Like I said, to me, there's a bigger picture for what we do now, like I said, because we give back to the community. You know, we, 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 we do the little things or whatever, you know. Um, so that's the reason why I still do what we do, you know what I mean, in wrestling. Um, you know, it's mm-hmm. just it's just, it's just entrenched in the community, um, and it's a good thing, you know, for what we do. You know, it's like I said from the beginning, we're an extension of Al Snow. So, you know, I don't want do, do, right. to do business the wrong way and then have a reflection on the him. Right.
2: Yep. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> uh, All right. Well, I wanna thank you for
0: giving us almost two hours here tonight, Thomas. And I, yep. yeah, you know, uh do you have an event coming up now anytime soon yeah, that you wanna
5: promote? Yeah, we have we have a yeah, we have a show uh April sixth in Lima, Ohio at the Bradfield Community Center. Uh, they can get information off of our uh business page, it's War Ohio. Um and like I said, you know, um we just do our thing, you know I mean? We we use a lot of good guys. Um, you know, if there anybody's uh is listening around this general area, whatever, and wants to get a hold of me, um, to come check out a show, they can definitely get a hold of me and come check out the show. Um, you know, because I think the more eyes that's on your product the better off that everyone is in the end.
0: Yes. Um, yeah, Thomas, thank <laughs> you again so much. Your and and, and uh, absolutely. Very much. uh we'll have to do this again very soon. Uh until then, my friend, thank you again, and we'll talk soon.
2: Absolutely. Yes. You
0: guys take Thank it. you
2: so much. We, we really appreciate it. You have a great night.
5: You too.
0: Oh, what a podcast that was here tonight. I want to thank Thomas yeah. Williams from War Wrestling out of Lima, Ohio, and Rudy Boy Gonzalez for joining us tonight. It's been a great conversation. If you haven't learned something, You haven't been listening because I've learned a lot. And I know Steve has picked up a thing or two that we didn't know before. Um, And that's what this podcast is all about. Um, I do want to say this. uh, Rebellion, RWF rebellion rising is coming your way very fast. That $5 off ticket code coupon code is still good. It's good through the end of tonight at midnight, I believe so you've got two hours left to use it. Order your RWF merch with our amazing logo by our own graphics guy, Will Trotter. He did an amazing job on our first T shirt. And in about a week or two we will be releasing a new design for our second shirt. So um Yep. I think yep. I think we might also and- run a special sale on that. Um so yeah. and those ahead, are Steve.
2: and those are available. I gotta say, and those are available through Teespring. Okay, um, the Wrestling Authority Radio Evolution Radio Network and uh, TNT Show shirts are available through Cafe Press. The RWF shirts are available on Teespring. So just make sure that uh, you you know which uh, one you're ordering from, but hopefully you're ordering all of them. Yes, buy our merch Um, So RWF
0: Rebellion Rising Will be here before you know it For more information about that Facebook.com backslash RWF Pro Uh, Tuesday night Rampage Rants on Facebook Uh, Wednesday night Wrestling Authority Radio on Facebook We can also be found on the Twitter At War Radio Show And at Rampage Rants So Right. Uh, with that being said for myself and for my co-host, go ahead.
2: The Dean of Wrestling Referee Steve Kane. You know what time it is. You can go where you want, but you can't stay here. Good night everybody. See you Tuesday.